Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Happy Wednesday. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and on ESPN+. Plus. Courtney Cronin, Amber Wilson sitting in for Greeny. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. You can save when you bundle your auto, home, or motorcycle insurance by visiting Progressive.com. Want to join in the conversation at any point? The next hour, the Dr. Pepper call in line. Number to get in, 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. Let's head out now to the Goodyear hotline where Myron Medcalf, ESPN college basketball reporter and fellow ESPN radio host, joins us here on Greeny. Usually we'd be bringing you in to talk about what college basketball games are going on right now to chop it up about the NFL. You and I have hosted like 11 shows in the last like two, three weeks together. But um, I wanted to have you on Myron today to talk about Jeff Dickerson. I know like myself, you have a similar path into how you got into ESPN radio and it involves JD. Yeah. Um, thanks for having me on. I mean, he, he's, he's the reason I'm in, you know, um, when I first got an opportunity to be on ESPN radio, I got the call and they said, all right, you're going to be on Dickerson and hood to see what you have, you know? And I just remember how nervous I was that first opportunity and just Dickerson just, you know, they treated me so well. He was just so, so friendly. Um, and just really made me feel like I belonged, you know, and I didn't know if I belonged, you know, I, I was still trying to kind of convince myself that, uh, I was worthy of that, worthy of that opportunity, and, and he just made me feel welcomed and made me feel like you know I, I had a chance to do this. He, he was he was so inspiring, encouraging. I mean, as you know, and that really changed my career. You know, cha- changed my life. I did another show, I think, the following week with Dickerson and Hood, and then I got more opportunities after that. And, and Jeff and I hosted a lot of shows together as well. And I, I just. I'll always be thankful for that gesture, just for who he was. Certainly in radio, he was a mentor, uh, someone who kind of helped me understand what I needed to do to improve and, and grow. Um, it's just a tough day. It's a tough day. You know, everything you're seeing about Jeff Dickerson and how great he was, all of that's so real. Um, and it's just such a tough time. Myron, I don't know if people realize, like, that's a beautiful story. I don't know if people realize in our business how rare that is because, you know, it can be a cutthroat business and there can be egos in this business. And you knew Jeff much better than me, but even in the time that I did get to do shows with him and interact with him, he didn't seem to have that. He was so kind. He seemed so humble to me the whole time. He was just so fun and easy to work with. He he was, Amber. I mean, let's be real, you know, in this business, Sometimes you're working with one, working with someone who maybe it feels like you're almost competing against them, and you're trying to like make sure you've got the hottest take. Um, and then there are other times where it's like you're working with someone, and, and Jeff always made you feel like you were working with him. I just remember between breaks and those first shows I was doing, just just feeling like everything I did was terrible. Like you know how that is, Amber. Like why am I doing all these ums? Like why did I say this? Why did I say that? And Jeff was always just so encouraging in those moments. Like, no, you got this. You're, you're good. You're doing well. And I believed him. You know, when Jeff told me I was doing well, I was like, yeah, okay, maybe I'm doing okay. And I needed that, you know. I, I needed somebody to tell me that I had a chance. And, and I've never forgotten that because now whenever I get a chance to host shows or have any opportunities with someone who's new to the business, someone who's getting their first chance, I always think back to Jeff and how he treated me. And my goal is always like, okay, Am I setting them up for success? 
Am I am I being a great co-host and making them feel comfortable? Because Jeff did that that for me. You know, it's um, it's just heartbreaking. You know, to lose somebody like that so young, so great. Uh, but but while he was here, he was a really really good man who helped a lot of people. And what he did for me, uh, I wouldn't be on ESPN Radio without Jeff Dickerson and the gesture he made to me in those early shows. Myron Medcalf, ESPN College basketball reporter and fellow ESPN radio host, joining Courtney Cronin and Amber Wilson here on Greeny. You're bringing back memories for me of a our first show that you and I did together on Freddie and Fitzsimmons back November 2019, and, and the the, the yeah. notion of Jeff setting you up for success because that's not easy. Like when you when, you know we work on weekends, we work with a lot of different hosts. You know we're filling host here, you, me, Amber. Um, you work with a lot of different people, and the chemistry that JD that always came with working with JD. It was seamless because it didn't matter mm-hmm. if you were talking about something you were super entrenched in, like the NFL for me, or if it was a topic that I didn't really know all that much about but had done my research on. Like, I remember my first show with him was on Dickerson and Hood, which, you know, talk about like mind blown, everything kind of coming full yeah. circle. That's a show that I grew up listening to, like from like middle school to yeah. high school to college. In a kid in Chicago thinking, like, I want to do this, too. That's who I listened to. And I remember Memorial Day weekend was when I got my first shot in, 19, in 2019. I prepared every possible uh, Kawhi Leonard free agency take. And I prepared for two days for that damn show. And, J.D., like, I just remember, like, all that went out the window because you could just have, like, literally, it was a conversation with a friend who made you comfortable, who disarmed you, who let you know that, you don't have to have the hottest take in the room. You don't even have to know all that much. You, if As long as you can be informed and have an opinion and keep it light and keep it conversational. This is sports after all. Like He was a fixture yeah. in the Chicago sports market for 20-something years because he didn't take himself too seriously. He took his work seriously, but the conversation element where he could set you up for success so you sounded like the smartest person in the room, that was who he was. Yeah. Now you, I mean, you, you hit it like Jeff was everybody's friend and, and that's not easy to do. Um, but he certainly made you feel like you've known him for, for 20 years. Like I, I remember on those first shows during one break, I think I apologized. Like I felt like maybe I cut somebody off accidentally or, you know, maybe my point wasn't as strong. And, you know, for me, it was like, Oh man, every mistake felt like the last opportunity I was ever going to get. And I remember, I remember Jeff telling me, you're good, man. Like you're, you're, you're good. And for like somebody to tell you that, that you admire and respect, it just really made me feel calm and, and comfortable. And I didn't have the nerves that I had going, going into it. I mean, he, he was always doing a million things too. Like I remember he would come into a show. He would just be coming back from bears practice. Like sometimes we're on the phone planning the show because he's driving back to his house to, to get to, uh, you know, to get ready for the show he jumps on, he leads the show, and then and during breaks, sometimes he's like breaking Chicago Bears news <laughs> as, as well. I mean, the, the one thing that dude was so passionate about was obviously his, his work, but you always heard so much about his son. You know, I always look at hosts and like what they talk about between breaks, that that's what they're passionate about. He always talked about his son. You know, he, he always talked about just, you know, whatever he was doing and, and how excited he was just to be a dad. Uh, but, but Jeff was a real one. Like all this – all you're seeing from people saying all these great things, like nobody's making anything up um, because he's passed. Everyone's telling you the 100% truth about that man, and that says a lot about what he did in those 44 years. 
You mentioned it, Parker, 11 years old, the son that Jeff Dickerson leaves behind now. I've retweeted it. I'm going to keep plugging it throughout this show. And next hour on Barton Hahn, there is a GoFundMe page on my Twitter account at Courtney R. Cronin at Amber W790. She also retweeted it. Myron, you have it up as well. All of those funds go directly to his 11-year-old son, Parker, who lost not only his father to cancer, but tragically lost his mother, Caitlin, two and a half years ago in 2019 to the exact same disease. And and it's just heartbreaking, but the only good thing that has come out of this is seeing the outpouring of support for a family that is is really struggling right now and and will continue to struggle uh, as they try to, you know, understand this loss this insurmountable loss of jeff dickerson and again the mcclure dickerson foundation we have officially changed the name as of today to include jd along with our good friend vaughn mcclure who passed in 2020 the scholarships uh, from that foundation go to help those students trying to pursue a career in journalism and we know that the legacy and the impact the pay it forward nature of jd will continue to live on uh, for those of us who will be the next ones, the next JDs to, to offer an opportunity to somebody uh, coming up through the ranks. Myron Medcalf, ESPN college football, college basketball reporter and ESPN radio host joining us here on Greeny. Appreciate you. Hang in there. I appreciate you too. Hey, take care of yourself, homie. I'm trying. All right, straight ahead. Kyrie Irving, what does his pending return mean for the Nets, and how might that impact the rest of the NBA? That's next. Amber Wilson, Courtney Cronin here on Greeny, ESPN Radio, ESPN+. Plus. Greeny, the podcast. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Greeny today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. The Brooklyn Nets are almost back at full strength. They really have no clue what they look like, but they're about to find out soon. It's Greeny on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and streaming live over on ESPN+. Courtney Cronin, Amber Wilson, holding it down for Greeny on this Wednesday morning. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. All guests on Greeny appear via the Goodyear hotline. So some good news Nearing the new year for the Brooklyn Nets, they're getting Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and LaMarcus Aldridge back from health and safety protocols. Aldridge had been in the COVID protocols for nearly two weeks. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, also in both entered 10 days ago. They had a big old outbreak of COVID-19 across their roster. It affected more than 10 players. 
who all had to enter the protocol at the same time. Steve Nash, Amber, was also in the protocols. So it's possible that soon we will end up seeing this championship roster all assembled onto the floor together. It's been a minute. This time, without you know, hopefully COVID will not impact them again, so we'll actually get to see some cohesion because right now they're 23-8. and They've got a lot of road games coming up, so we actually will get to see Kyrie Irving away from New York City. He's not allowed to play at Barclays or at Madison Square Garden because he did not comply with the New York State COVID COVID-19 mandate with the vaccination. But they're 23-9. and They're first in the Atlantic Division, and still, we don't know how good they can be because we just haven't seen it yet. Yeah, sitting atop the East, uh, even with their issues in terms of availability this season so far. And you said that we haven't seen that championship roster together in a minute. And it has really been a minute because obviously Kyrie hasn't been with the team all season long. And it was funny when he comes back because it's like we get the news, Courtney, that, okay, we're going to allow him to come back to the team, even though he's a part-time player because he can't play home games. He can't play in New York. Generally, we're going to allow him to come back. And then we get that news and immediately Kyrie goes into health and safety protocols. It's like that Simpsons Simpsons meme where he like walks into the bar and immediately turns around and walks back out. That was Kyrie Irving and his entrance back into the NBA. But here we go. I think January 5th is the first date we could see him against Indy. However, Steve Nash did say, it would take a couple weeks for him to, you know, get his legs back under him. And I do wonder, like, he's been out all season. We haven't seen him since the preseason. Uh, what kind of shape are you in? What have you been doing during this time? And I'm not talking about during this time that he's been in health and safety protocols because of COVID, but I'm talking about otherwise because the way that the rules were and the way that the Nets had handled this season, they weren't bringing him back or so it seemed for a period of time. So like, was he sitting on the couch and eating nachos or did he figure (laughs) at some point the rules were going to change and he was going to be able to make a comeback? Uh, So I am curious to see that what we will get out of Kyrie. I know he won't need a ton of time, obviously uh, a really good player still in the midst of his prime here, but I, I do think it probably takes a few weeks for him to be the Kyrie that we're used to seeing. Yeah, I don't think we're expecting him to be what James Harden was when he came to Brooklyn from Houston and had to get into a conditioning program fairly quickly to drop the extra weight that he put on. But you bring up a point. I mean, Kyrie Irving was injured at the end of the Eastern Conference Finals last year. Like, he was dealing with, I believe it was a foot or an ankle injury. So you'd imagine he spent all offseason rehabbing from that, and he should have fresh legs because he hasn't played yet this year. The earliest you said we could probably see him, I was looking at the schedule, if, if it's a one- to two-week ramp-up period and he can only play games away from Madison Square Garden or where they play at home, the Barclays Center, so no more New, no New York games, Wednesday, January 5th, they're at Indi- at Indiana, which... Seems kind of like the target date there, but seven of their next nine games are at home. And, you know, you're not still not going to see Kyrie Irving, which begs the question here. Like, a part-time player, like, this is a move made in the name of capitalism because they wanted to protect their 21-8 and record at the time when they made this move, and they've only played three games since. They had three games that were postponed due to the outbreak against Denver, against Washington, and then at Portland on December 23rd. They are a team that is in the midst of a championship window, and they want to be able to contend. They didn't want to lose a lot of games because they had, at one point, seven players that went all the way up to ten players on the COVID-19 reserve list. And now 
they're going to be bringing Kyrie Irving back into the mix. I don't know if this would ever fly in another sport. Like the NFL, like I don't think you could ever see a part-time player here in the NFL, probably because the, the schedule is so much shorter than in an, an NBA season or an NHL season or even baseball where it's probably more realistic. But beyond that, it just feels like the co- – I don't know. The cohesion that you have in football – and the game plan, and everybody needing to be on the same page. You can't have somebody in for like one week and then expect that you get the same version of them or better a couple weeks later if they were like a part-time player. Like this to me is only something that would fly in a league where there's 15 guys on your on your team. Well, and only something that I think will be successful if we're talking about a veteran player, which obviously we are in Kyrie Irving, right? And in a team that maybe because there's so many vets on that team and that's a roster built for championships, maybe those guys don't need uh, the time together in the same way that they otherwise would if we were talking about a younger team. It is interesting. I think a couple things happened. As I recall, first of all, he didn't used to be able to practice with the team either. So Correct. he like really wasn't around the team. But then I think that didn't they, they changed the designation of the practice facility. So under New York law, he then could, because it's like they changed it to offices, which he was allowed to be at unvaccinated or something, but he wasn't, if it had been designated a gym, which it was originally designated at. So that was one of the big changes that allowed them to bring Kyrie back because now he can practice with the team, even if he can't play with the team every night they're scheduled to play. And then also it was when the NBA went and allowed the NBA and the NBA PA agreed to allow NBA teams dealing with the health and safety protocols to have replacement players. So there are other players that I guess essentially are part-time players because they're replacement players. It's so it's a weird season. In other words, for the NBA, it's a weird season, frankly, for every sport. So I guess it's kind of set it up here where now we have a superstar who is in effect a part-time player. It's not something that we're used to seeing uh, in basketball, and it'll be really interesting to watch how it plays out on the court. That news coming down on Tuesday, the Brooklyn Nets announcing Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, LaMarcus Aldridge have all cleared NBA's health and safety protocols. Durant and Irving were in protocols for 10 days and LaMarcus Aldridge had been in the protocols for two weeks. We will not see Kyrie Irving anytime throughout the rest of 2021. Looks like the earliest date that he will be back. They have a road game at Indiana on January 5th. Might take him a couple weeks to ramp up, according to head coach Steve Nash. But Kyrie Irving's pending return, the clock is ticking. We will see it soon. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin, Amber Wilson sitting in for Greeny on this Wednesday. Coming up next, will Jacksonville be the best NFL head coaching vacancy this offseason? Greeny, the podcast. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? 
It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. New rules in the NFL allows for teams that have already parted ways with their head coach to begin interviewing for their next head coach during the final two weeks of the season. What we know right now is that the Jacksonville Jaguars on Tuesday started their coaching search. They have an interview scheduled with former Eagles Super Bowl winning head coach Doug Peterson for later in the week. And they're also going to interview former Detroit head coach Jim Caldwell. Two requests put in, two interviews lined up for the Jacksonville Jaguars. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and ESPN+. Plus. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. All guests here on Greeny join us via the Goodyear hotline. If you want to join in the conversation at any point today, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. What do you think of John Madden? When you think about the life and legacy of the sports broadcaster who passed 85 years old on Tuesday, we'd love to get your thoughts here on Greeny and throughout the day on ESPN Radio. Hit us up on the Dr. Pepper call-in line, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. So when we were talking with Dan Graziano earlier this morning, Amber, he brought up a really good point that I didn't realize. Like, So there's two teams that are eligible to do what the Jacksonville Jaguars are doing in interviewing head coaches ahead of everybody else. That's Jacksonville. And that's the Las Vegas Raiders who didn't fire John Gruden. He resigned earlier this year, but they have an opening for that position because the Raiders are trying to make a last ditch effort to push for the playoffs. They are not participating in the early get ahead of it interviews here, leaving the Jacksonville Jaguars, which is one of, you know, many openings, that we at least can that's confirmed. There's two that are confirmed. There will be several others, and undoubtedly, um, but they are the only ones right now that are partaking in this. And and I thought that Graz brought up a good point when he mentioned how, you know, you don't want to rush this process. You want to get it right. And do they really have a leg up on their competition in searching for the right head coach? Because no matter the timing, the job's got to be attractive on its own, not just that you get more bites at the apple here. Yeah, you definitely don't want to rush a coaching search, particularly coming off of what we know Urban Meyer amounted to there in Jacksonville. And I think fans are at a point, and frankly, just NFL fans generally, because that Jags organization, I I think it's fair to say, kind of became, I mean, they were already questionable, right? But they kind of became a laughingstock here uh, with what happened with Urban Meyer. And so now a lot of people are looking sideways at that organization. Like, are they ever going to be able to get it right at that head coaching position? And this is their opportunity to do that. You also, though, want to get a jump on everybody else if you have the opportunity to do so. So it's like, you don't want to rush it, Courtney. You want to make a good decision, but at the same time, you want to take advantage of the opportunity that you have before most everybody else in the NFL has. And of course, like you said, there's going to be several vacancies across the NFL. We hear all the rumors, but until those are official, they're not out there interviewing all of these candidates, obviously, where Jacksonville will have that opportunity to do so. Now, the rules are different for former coaches than they are 
are for current coaches. And of course, Jacksonville now with the new rules, apparently the Jags, because they fired Meyer uh, in season, they were permitted to start interviewing currently employed candidates as soon as the beginning of this week. Uh, They could have already interviewed former candidates as well, like the Petersons of the world that you already mentioned. So they have apparently reportedly requested interviews with Byron Leftwich and coaches that are currently playing, I believe coaches as well on the Cowboys staff and whatnot. So they are going down the list and they are looking at whoever they can. And apparently those interviews though, with the current coaches, they're limited to two hours in length and you can only have one of them. Uh, And also, I don't know if they're going to be granted the permission to do so here when these teams are so hyper-focused on, you know, trying to win a Super Bowl this season. So this is all, I think, complicating the picture a bit, but I do like what Jackson is doing here. They're kind of at the moment doing whatever they can when they can do it ahead of everybody else to, I think, get familiar with as many candidates as possible, which of course gives you the best opportunity to try to find the right one. Yeah. And, and great job clarifying that because Doug Peterson took a year off of coaching. He has not been in the league since he was with the Philadelphia Eagles in the 2020 season. Jim Caldwell hasn't coached in a couple of years. Like the one, the coaches that, you know, have the permission has been grant has been requested and it will get granted. Like that's something that cannot, they cannot be blocked from interviewing for, from an offensive or defensive coordinator position. You cannot be blocked for interviewing for a head coaching position the way that if you were a quarterback's coach, you could very easily get blocked for being, having a chance to interview for an OC position and things like that. But league sources telling ESPN's Adam Schefter, the Jaguars requested permission to interview. It's a formality. Um, as Amber said, offensive coordinator of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Byron Leftwich, the Bucks defensive coordinator, Todd Bowles, Dallas Cowboys, OC Kellen Moore, and their DC, Dan Quinn, and then Green Bay Packers offensive coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett, the Colts uh, defensive coordinator, Matt Eberflus will also be in the mix here for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So they are trying to get ahead of this and I can't blame them. And I think that the reason I like this rule being what it is now for teams that have nothing left to play for this season, you don't have to do the whole song and dance of people either accepting interview requests or declining interview requests during playoff time, because most times you're going to be interviewing coaches that are on really good teams. That's why they're attractive candidates, right? And it's always really tough when you're trying to balance a game plan for the postseason where it's it, it's you win or you don't, and if you don't, you're out. And trying to do that on top of coaching and, and coming up with a game plan and all of that. Like I remember when Kevin Stefanski, who used to be the offensive coordinator for the Minnesota Vikings, was in the process of interviewing for the Cleveland Browns head coaching job. The Vikings win that game in New Orleans during the wild card round, and then they go and lay an egg in San Francisco. The offense stunk. It looked flat. It just had, they had no juice. And of course, the question is, well, was he so focused on trying to get the Browns job that he wasn't doing his current job? And we're always going to be asking those questions. This tries to at least alleviate that a little bit. Now, I know the interviews for coaches that are currently coaching teams and will inevitably be coaching teams come January and week 19. Um, they're limited for right now, but at least you get like a first look to kind of narrow down your candidate pool. Like throw out, throw out any name that you want, you know, try to have a broad pool to, to, to dip into and to, and to look into and say, okay, who's going to be the best candidate for this job? Cause we really got it wrong. We meaning the Jacksonville Jaguars is who I'm speaking about the one team that's doing this right now. They need a very broad 
focus here as they try to find their next head coach so they can quickly pull a 180 from where they left things off with Urban Meyer. Well, in those initial interviews, I think the reason I would imagine for the restriction in terms of time and amount of interviews is because, like you said, it's very difficult for these coaches to be able to focus on interviewing for new jobs and additionally trying to win a Super Bowl with their current team. Uh, That's always a murky situation. So at least this allows the Jags to gauge interest. I mean, you put out as many feelers as you can. You'll know real quick who might be interested in your job because presumably some coaches might decline the offer to even interview for the job. And then you get an opportunity, even if it's only a couple hour interview, to kind of gauge where their interest probably lies and maybe write a couple coaches off right away if you realize yep. this man or, you know, this man, hopefully woman one day here. Uh, so far, only men on the list. But you know what I mean? This person is not going to be the right fit for our organization. So I do think that this is an advantage uh, for the Jags that they made this decision about the their coach at the time that they made it. I, presumably they were thinking about it before that as well. So they've had some time here to put some thought into it. And they're certainly doing their homework in terms of candidates, making their search as wide as possible. Obviously also, Courtney, if you notice from this list, focusing on NFL coaches, NFL candidates. Yes. I think they're probably done with the whole, like, you had success in college, now come be our coach experiment. That didn't go so well the first time. Uh, they obviously are looking for a proven NFL coach. So that's probably a good move there in Jacksonville. So I don't know if they're going to get it right, but so far they're doing what they should be doing as an organization searching for a coach. Yeah, I think our days of seeing college coaches make the jump from the, the, especially the ones that have no NFL experience, not even as you know a quality control person like Urban Meyer did, I think that those days are, are certainly done and we will see a smaller pool of college coaches being interviewed for head coaching jobs in the 2022 HC Cycle. Greeny is presented by Progressive Insurance. If your pet passenger is injured in a car accident, get help paying for vet expensive. Pet protection comes for free with auto collision coverage. Get a quote at Progressive.com. Courtney Cronin, Amber Wilson sitting in for Greeny on this Wednesday morning. Now, I wonder, too, about the Jacksonville opening. Because right now we know there's two openings, and there will be more. Our good friend Bill Barnwell has an article over at ESPN.com breaking down the pluses and the minuses of the openings and you know where people would want to go, what the most attractive job openings are. He actually has the Minnesota Vikings, a team that I cover for ESPN.com, as the most attractive opening, which we can certainly get into. But he has Jacksonville number three on this list. Tons of pros. Young quarterback, potential franchise-altering quarterback in the talent of Trevor Lawrence. You have ownership in Shad Khan, who has shown patience. He's not patient right now in trying to get this thing back on the tracks after it absolutely went off the rails with Urban Meyer and led to his firing 14 weeks into the season. And on top of that, you have a lot of resources to work with beyond this season. An estimated $43 million dollars in salary cap space for the Jacksonville Jaguars in 2022. So you can do a lot of things with this roster to make it not look like it does now because it lacks talent. Like that is a, that is a fact around Trevor Lawrence. They do not have a lot of talent. Yes. They had multiple first round draft picks last year beyond Lawrence, Travis Etienne, his teammate over at Clemson was also taken in the first round, but they have a lot of holes on this roster. They have to fix it. So I kind of wonder like where this whole thing falls because if you look at like the big picture things with Jacksonville, it's a no-brainer. You have a quarterback that you could 
win Super Bowls with, potentially. He's been classified as his generational talent. That We heard that with Andrew Luck. Um, you have ownership that works. You have cap space. But the culture in Jacksonville itself is so bad and smells so bad right now that I just wonder, like, how much of an effort do you, like, when you, fe- when you weigh, like, what you're going to do and versus, like, you know, are you going to take this job or you're not going to take this job if you're a Byron Leftwich, for example, who's going to be a very sought-after candidate this offseason, you know, even when the season's still going on, how do you weigh that, all the pros versus what the cons are in a place like Jacksonville and just like how how far of a hole that organization has dug itself in and how long it might take to dig itself out? You mentioned Andrew Luck there. I mean, I think most people still believe that he could have been a generational talent if his body had held up, and obviously, but for the desire to retire as early as he did. But we've seen plenty of quarterbacks in the NFL that were supposed to be generational talents and didn't pan out to be so, and plenty number one picks as well that don't pan out. I don't know if Trevor Lawrence is going to pan out. I know that the narrative around him coming into the NFL was, of course, he's a can't miss. The stats would show you, Nobody's a can't miss. I mean, that is just overstating it, particularly when you're talking about going to a bad organization and a bad team, which is typically the reward for being a number one pick. So I don't know what we have in Trevor Lawrence. Uh, He's had a terrible season, frankly, but obviously you can overlook that this season because of how much adversity he has faced and the team that he has around him. I think the concern with the Jags is culture, but I hate talking about that because I do think culture can turn around really quickly with the right coaching staff in place and the right players Mm -hmm. and you mentioned the flexibility that team has if Khan's willing to spend the money and he's willing to now take the time with this coaching search and interview everybody like he appears to be doing and really try to find the right fit if he hits on it of course the culture can change rapidly the problem has been the instability in Jacksonville I mean not just the market listen small markets can win whatever it's the instability of that organization since Khan's been the owner I think they've gone through four head coaches I mean Urban Meyer got like a matter of months to get it done I understand what happened there but the guy before him got a year I mean it's not like we've had any sense of stability there since Khan became the owner in 2011 I think that will be the key for whoever comes in they have to be willing of course to take on the challenge ahead of them because it's going to be an uphill battle we know the state of that organization they have to be willing to put in the work and they obviously have to be committed to that organization for the long term so Khan has to hit this time he did so poorly with the Urban Meyer hire but I do think that a lot of people were in on that hire originally Courtney because of the success that Meyer had had at the college level so like if we just look at it in a vacuum there like we we know the results, so hindsight's twenty twenty. But at the time, it wasn't a bad hire. I mean, people he were was like, a shiny so, object, and people right, like he was shiny, shiny objects. objects. Which bringing a shiny object into a, kind of an overlooked organization in, in a difficult market, there's not necessarily anything wrong with that. You thought you might be filling seats there, and you thought you might be garnering some excitement around your team. That didn't pan out. I think what we've learned, and hopefully what Khan has learned, is that you got to win football games to get that excitement like that's what's going to garner the excitement that's what's going to help you out that's what's going to fill your stadium is getting the wins getting the stability having people believe in your team Uh, Trevor Lawrence was a good first piece because I think most people still believe that Trevor Lawrence can get it done even if we didn't see it this season he certainly has the talent coming out of college you have to have the right coaching staff around him Mm -hmm. we will see but an NFL proven coach I think will go a long way here she is Amber Wilson. I am Courtney Cronin. We are sitting in for Greeny 
on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and ESPN+. Plus. So lots of openings that we don't know about entirely right now, but we can anticipate will become head coaching, have head coaching vacancies here in the next couple weeks. The Chicago Bears, pretty obvious here that they're not going to be sticking around with Matt Nagy. He did say earlier this week that he anticipates coaching out the final two weeks of the season, but... It seems like they will be in the midst. They're already eliminated from the playoffs. They will be in the in the midst soon of a head coaching search. The Denver Broncos. Bill Barnwell lists this as number two on his most attractive head coaching openings, potential head coaching openings, because Vic Fangio is still the head coach there. We don't know if they will part ways. But I think this is an interesting conversation because the pros he has here are young roster and salary cap space. They, like Jacksonville, they don't have $42 million, but they have quite a bit. The cons, certainly, like the Bolin family and the ownership group and the infighting with the siblings, like that is a hot mess. I would not want any part of that. And the lack of quarterback, you can understand that as well. But like when you compare that one's the even two, more disturbing to me, the lack yes. of quarterback. Unless, of course, you can talk an Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson or something else. I mean, that's the thing. Like, would you be willing if you were a Todd Bowles or if you were a Byron Leftwich, you know, I'm just using two names because the Bucks are hot and both of those two have already been requested by the Jacksonville Jaguars for interviews, offensive and defensive coaches. Um, would you go to a place that like how would you weigh that? Like how much how heavily would you weigh the quarterback situation and what you're walking into potentially in the mix of all of this? Because I think that there's something to be said about walking in and wanting your guy at quarterback being able to bring in your guy in a place like Minnesota, where I am currently. And I think Bill was a little tongue-in-cheek here, um, saying that like the pros for the Minnesota Vikings, if this does indeed become an opening, veteran quarterback. The con is also a veteran quarterback because of the salary cap implications with his current contract that you would be walking into if they ended up you know, if they end up keeping Kirk Cousins, not trading him, what have you. Like, would you want to walk into a, have a clean slate approach at the quarterback position? Or would you weigh, I need to go to a place where there's already someone like a Trevor Lawrence? I mean, I think it depends on the team. In Minnesota, you have stability, obviously. Zimmer's been there for 100 years. Like, you have stability in that organization. I think it's a difficult conversation when you're talking about walking into an organization that lacks the stability. And the Broncos have been heading that direction in large part because of the ownership, like you said. Also, this quarterback situation. Yes, you're in an, you have an opportunity, potentially, to bring in your own guy. I, I wouldn't take the job unless I knew my own guy was coming. Like, can you get Russell Wilson to trade his no trade or waive his no trade clause and go to Denver. I feel like those are conversations you'd have to have before you accepted that job because otherwise Teddy Bridgewater, an injured Teddy Bridgewater, a Drew Locke, I, I just don't know how attractive that situation is when also considering, of course, the management woes as well. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and see it with the video on ESPN+. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.